Oh, Lord Jesus, that we would put our faith in you, our only refuge, our only hope, our only salvation. Amen. Jesus tells a parable about a persistent widow who was demanding justice for a wrong that had been committed. And so she persistently seeks after this judge uh, to the point that he gets so exasperated that he throws up his hands. And Luke tells us that Jesus told this parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And that's true. That is what this parable is about. But it's about much more than that. Because if you look at verse 8, how does Jesus end this parable? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I'd like to go back to the seemingly righteous platitude of, yes, I can agree with the parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. I can agree with that wholeheartedly. But this final question uh, really strikes at uh, my deepest fears uh, and uh, causes me to dwell upon will uh, Jesus, when he returns on that great day, will he find faith on earth? Well, our other reading comes from 2 Timothy today, and it works really well because Paul is writing to Timothy, and what he's writing to Timothy actually answers Jesus' question here in Luke chapter 18. And the question that is before us is not what God will do, but what will we do? Our part is to believe on the Lord Jesus as he is given to us in his word, and our faith shall be established. Uh, about a month or so ago, I preached on faith simply being trusting, relying, and depending on the Lord Jesus uh, for everything. And the faith that this woman has in her causes her to persistently pray. Now, we're not talking about prayer being the central act of it because Jesus even had something to say about those who would simply get up and pray long prayers that were vacuous and were really just for show and they would stand all day in the temple and people would remark, look at how holy they are. That's not what he's commending. He's not commending the outward manifestation of this woman, of her faith, but actually her faith. Do we have the faith that would compel us to be as diligent as this woman is with this judge? And we're told that he's an unjust judge or an unrighteous judge, uh, meaning he's no respecter of persons. He really doesn't care. But he can't handle this woman anymore. He just is going to give her what she wants simply because... He needs to be left alone. C.H. Spurgeon says this about this passage. When Jesus asks this question, will faith be found on earth? He says, a search warrant will be issued for our houses and our hearts. And the inquiry will be, where is your faith? Did you honor Christ by trusting his word and his blood? Or did you not? Did you glorify God by believing his revelation and depending upon his promise, or did you not? 
Now, faith is not simply an act of the intellect. It's a grace that the Holy Spirit gives us, which brings glory to God and produces obedience in our hearts. So it's God quickening us and bringing us alive, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, that we were once dead in our trespasses. We weren't even able to make the first step in entering into a relationship with God. But what? But God has made us alive together in Christ. And because of that, he's given us the faith to actually turn toward him. And this is the faith that Jesus is talking about here in Luke chapter 18. And the faith that Paul is encouraging Timothy to have in 2 Timothy. Hold on to it. Remember what you were taught even as a child, who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you in his death and his resurrection. Now, I do think that Jesus does something intentional in this question. When he asks, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He intentionally uses the messianic title, Son of Man. Often we read in the Bible that Jesus is the Son of God. But why does he say Son of Man here? Yes, it's used throughout the scriptures, and surely he is the Son of God. But Jesus uses the title Son of Man for himself to let us know that when he comes, he comes in sympathy. He comes as one who is well acquainted with what life is like the troubles and temptations that we face. He is not far removed from it, but he has experienced it here on his earthly ministry. And he asks, will he find faith in those who pray like this persistent widow? It's no wonder that this widow is persistent and injustice has been done, but think about it. What is her other recourse? What else can she do but go to this judge? Uh, she has no means of income, and so what little property she has is on the line. And if her kids are at home, she's in risk of having them starve to death. If you were in the same situation, wouldn't you go and plead day after day, knowing that this was your final court of arbitration? And so she would stop at nothing, that justice might be done, and salvation brought to her home. And even in the midst of tremendous discouragement, she knows that ultimately the judge will have to hear her plea. When we pray, do we pray with the expectation that not only that God will hear us, but will actually do what we ask in accordance with his will? Now, most people that actually do this in their own lives are often seen as fanatical. Uh, for instance, last night there were some of you uh, who are listening in right now that knew that God was your only recourse when NC State was kicking a field goal to win the game against Clemson. <laughs> only God could keep that from going in the uprights, and God gave you what you asked. Uh, and they came back triumphantly. Uh, now. I've actually never seen such religious fervor and devotion that I have at SEC football games. I mean, I love how when you get down to the last minute, then the, pan, the camera pans the, the, the uh, uh, I should say congregation, but the fans uh, seated in the stadium. Uh, and what are they doing? They're praying. They're actually praying, block that kick, right? 
we all do it. But what I want you to think about is actually those times in your life where that is actually a real issue. Where you've been brought to a place where you have nowhere else to go except the throne of grace in Jesus Christ. Uh, when Lily was about two years old, uh, she was uh, running a fever and we just couldn't get it down. 102, 103 degrees for almost a week. And we put her in the hospital there in Beaufort and they didn't know what was going on. And eventually she was transferred up to Children's Hospital at MUSC. And even there, they couldn't figure out what was going on with her. And finally, the attending physician said to us, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to do our best. But at this point, she's either going to get better or she's not. And when you get into those situations in your life, God's office is at the end of your rope. And when you know that Jesus is all that you have, that's where you go. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, that we might have the faith, not just in those dire situations, but in every situation in our life, to believe on him who can actually deliver, the only judge who can right the wrongs, the only one that can heal your child, the only one who can put your marriage back together, the only one that can give you purpose in your life, the only one who can save you even from yourself. That, that is the faith that Jesus is talking about here, translated into all of our lives. And yet so many of us that have faith find ourselves anxious in our own lives. And we're right to be concerned about our children our financial security, our future. But do those things completely consume you? Is your response to double down by trying to control it yourself? Growing up, we had all these terrible sayings in our house that have stuck with me. And one of them was, Andrew, pray as if it depended upon God, but work as if it depended upon you. That is a lie. It doesn't get us off the hook from doing what God has called us to do, uh, but it makes it sound as if, yeah, God's kind of in control, but I'm going to hedge my bets. And just in case the old man doesn't come through, I'm going to work my darndest to make this happen. But again, think back to those moments when Jesus is it. He's the only option. And so you go to him. And in the same way, in our own lives, regardless of what it is that we're dealing with, we put our faith in him. And yet even in our own walks, it's not that we just put our faith in ourselves, but we actually are willing to wander off and to miss, as Paul says to Timothy. I mean, I hope that you can read in 2 Timothy the great emotion and deliberate nature of what Paul is trying to say. He's not holding back at all because Paul knows that this is the very last letter that he will write. That he's going to be executed by the emperor in Rome. And so these are his final words to his closest student, Timothy. And he's clear. And he says, look, there's going to come a day where people are not just going to say, you know, I don't know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's all well and good for some people to put their trust in him and for him to be the salvation of some. But for others, it might be something else. Paul actually in the Greek says that there's going to come a day 
when people are going to be absolutely repelled and repulsed by the gospel. That when you talk about the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, people will stop up their ears and they will run in the complete opposite direction, even going so far as to put their trust and their faith in lies. And yet you and I too find ourselves there. We've had a vivid conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we have been entered into a relationship with God the Father through him, that our salvation is beyond doubt. We've truly put our faith in him, but we've seen our spiritual lives as one of struggle and difficulty, maybe even to the point of apathy. And we wonder, is God even listening anymore? This morning, don't look to your feelings because that's a myth. That is not the reality because the reality is this, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Paul says, if you're looking to yourself, Timothy, you're going to be undone. But what I want you to do is I want you to lay hold of the claim that you have in Jesus Christ that comes to us by his word. The word of God containing all things necessary for salvation. Because if that foundation is removed, Timothy, the whole house comes tumbling down. And nothing will stand regarding faith. And so because of the testimony of the word, put your trust in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't give up on praying. Throw yourself upon his mercy because no one has ever been found guilty of believing in God too much. Will the Lord find faith on earth? Well, I want to close because in this way, Jesus actually answers his own question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Even in our lack of diligence and persistence, our failure to pray, our feeble faith, we read here in verse 8 that what? He comes to us. He comes to us. And as ever, Jesus doesn't say, when you think you have all the faith you need, come to me because I'll be waiting. No. He says, I will come to you as a shepherd who pursues the one lost sheep. And when I come, I come to the rescue of those who cry out to me in faith, Lord, save me. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God would instill in our hearts this faith that is persistent because of his great goodness and his love for those of us who find our faith feeble and often fleeting. Amen.